0: This is Christian Questions.
1: S- Simeon Signoret once said, Chains did not hold a marriage together. It is threads, hundreds of tiny threads, which sew people together through the years. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics
2: as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, christianquestions.net. I'm Rick, and I'm Jonathan, and we
1: are glad that you have chosen to spend some time with us on this day after the Great Blizzard of two thousand and thirteen That's for sure unbelievable
2: record breaking
1: <laughs> it is it, boy, have we got some stories to tell as we get this program <laughs> unfolded. I will just say this, Jonathan, just to start uh, before we get into well, first of all, what's the subject? All right, let's
2: go <laughs> to that. Well, Rick, our Details. question <laughs> is, is marriage really needed? And our theme text is found in Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So... uh Coming up this Thursday, we all know, is
1: a day to celebrate love and relationships, a day of chocolate, flowers, dinners out, cards, hugs, and kisses. Yep, we're talking Valentine's Day, a day for saying I love you to that special person. But is it a day to celebrate marriage? Is that old, stodgy institution of marriage even relevant anymore? Shouldn't we just kind of move forward, you know, into the modern times? Stay with us this morning, folks, as we focus on love and marriage. That's right. We are focusing on marriage, the oldest and best God-given institution that the human race has ever had the privilege to celebrate. So, Jonathan, that's what it's about this morning. It's yes. about love and marriage. And, folks, we have, we in the studio with yeah. us this morning, our very special guest, Jonathan, the love doctor.
2: Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I got you back. <laughs> yeah. He gives this to me at this time of year. Every, every year. year. Jonathan, the love doctor. So you
1: have your relationship questions. You call 866-985-4255. Toll free 866 985 We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. Our website is ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, the love doctor is here for you. And, oh, hey, newsflash. What's up? Brand new website is up and running.
2: ChristianQuestions.net.
1: Go there. Check it out. Take a look. It is done incredibly well. They did such a fine, fine job. Our volunteer army. Our volunteer army. Uh, we'll put them up against anybody, that volunteer <laughs> army. I'll tell you what. They're unbelievably d- d- doing an incredible, incredible job. So, John, let, let's actually get started with the subject. Then I'll, we'll sprinkle in some of those uh, blizzard stories uh, as oh, we go. Yeah. Just suffice it to say, yesterday morning, Trish and I were down in Virginia. Wow. Okay, and, and we, you got here? Well, you, <laughs> by hook or by crook, because Connecticut was pretty much closed when we started our drive seven o'clock yesterday morning. We got here eleven o'clock last night, and almost half the time was spent trying to get through Connecticut. Oh my! Unbelievable. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll fill you in on this. Let's get started by looking at the 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 story of marriage. Uh, going to a, a special done by David Goodnow, who use, who at one time was a CNN um, anchor. Uh, and this special was The Cracking Institution of Marriage. Let's listen. Love over the rainbow, skies are blue, and if you love, your dreams come true. When I grow up, I will be married.
3: I want to marry a person who is nice and who loves God. Good marriage is dancing and playing games. Well, they have to put a wedding gown on, and
1: then they have to play lap of games, and then they dance and eat cake.
0: It's the oldest human institution, the key to success for each new generation, the foundation of our civilization, a foundation most Americans believe is cracking.
1: So, there you go. You start out with that little blissful, beautiful little child telling you all about marriage. She was so sweet. I know. I love the voice. I love what she said. It's about eating cake
4: <laughs> and <laughs> dancing
1: dance. and putting on a wedding gown. <laughs> <laughs> and everything is fine and dandy. And welcome to Disney. you know. Uh, and, and then you, and the institution of marriage, many believe, is cracking and is breaking in pieces. So, you have the two sides of, of the story. And, and both sides obviously have something going for them. But marriage is in a lot of ways. Breaking. Yes, it is. And you got to look at it and say, well, well, why would it be? And we're going to be going through that as we as we open up this story uh, this morning, folks. So we're focusing on marriage, the importance of marriage, why marriage we believe, why marriage is absolutely needed in the world that we live in, in this world gone gone mad in so many ways. So again, if you have a thought it's eight six six nine eight five four two five five toll free. Eight six six nine eight five four all. We're live Sunday mornings from seven to nine and that means we're on
2: right now. And if you have any questions on our subject, ask your questions at net, or go to Facebook or email us at Rick at ChristianQuestions
1: So as we get started here, let's go back to the, the foundation, the beginning of marriage and just get a little bit Bit of the context of what happened when the first man and the first woman were given that that institution of marriage. Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 to 24.
2: The man gave names to all the cattle, and to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was no f- helper found suitable for him.
1: So you start out, and Adam is is given all of the animals to name, and he is without his counterpart and God does that on purpose so that he sees every animal has its counterpart mm-hmm. but he doesn't and you think well why would God do that why why are you withholding something that is should should fit so perfectly and so naturally because the the matter of appreciation needs to be put in place. I like that point. And I think that's such a big, big part of this.
2: So what does God do? Next, Next part of the verses. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man.
1: So God creates Eve out of Adam. And again, you know, you know, a lot of people look at this and they think of it as a story. And it, it's just an illustration or an allegory that says, okay, this is how, you know, this is a, a vision of how mankind started. I believe this is exactly how it's how it happened. Me too. And I believe that mankind, that's why we, mankind did not evolve out of the other parts of creation, but was created to to have dominion over those other parts of creation. It was created in the image of God. And this act of creating the woman out of the man was an act of great symbolism that was meant for the entire human race to look at and to honor. And I just think that there's such, it's such, such a powerful picture that is shown in, in the creation story here. Let's continue.
2: The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh.
1: So you have the two of them together and this is she is of me. We are literally made of the same material. And I think there there's something very, very powerful in that. Jonathan, let's go to a to a song uh, by Clinton Black. It's called It's Something That We Do. And it's about love and marriage, and it's it's we're just gonna do the first verse. Uh and just, just listen to the to the idea presented about uh, what love is.
3: I remember well the day
5: we went. I can see that picture in my head. I still believe the words we said. Forever will ring true Love is certain Love is kind Love is yours And love is mine But it isn't something That we find It's something that we do It's holding tight letting go It's flying high And laying low Let your strongest feelings show and your weakness, too. It's a little and a lot to ask. An endless and a welcome task. Love isn't something that we have. It's something that we do.
1: I love that theme. Love isn't something that we have. It's something that we do. I like that too. And, and later on, we—I don't know that we'll have time to go to another verse, but it's—it's it's not something that we fall into. It's something that we do. You don't fall in love. You. Love is a verb. Love is an action word. Good point. You live love. So that really puts things in perspective. Just some quick observations uh, we, we touched on uh, regarding that first marriage, Jonathan.
2: Well, Rick, the noticeable absence
1: of the woman revealed the emptiness man had without her. Just like the emptiness you would have without your wife. Absolutely. And, and he said that with dead seriousness in his <laughs> eyes. I mean, it was like, oh, you, you have no idea how importantly absolutely that is. Yes. Uh, God's creation of woman from man gives that sense of equality and companionship. You know, she's created out of his rib, out of his side, not out of his foot, or something That's like that. Special. It is. It is special, close to his heart, literally.
2: And also, this is at last bone of my bone, etc. You know, Adam's companionship, his desires now finally fulfilled. Because he sees
1: that he is alone in a world where he... It doesn't seem natural, it doesn't seem right for him to be alone. And therefore man clings to his wife because it is the completion aspect of that, that human family. And they become one flesh, inseparable, and united in every way. So that is what marriage is, a covenant before God, as we mentioned. We're not going to get into the technicalities of that, this uh, this program. But it is a covenant before God that it completes that relationship. Now, I want to jump to Dana Fillmore, who is a psy- a psychologist, a marriage counselor. And she she nails things down just quickly and easily about where issues begin to arise in people's marriage.
6: The average couple can spend as little as one hour total alone per week. The average couple with kids, sometimes none. The average two people having an affair spend at least 15 hours per week together. Think about that. Those two people somehow manage to find 15 hours alone in spite of all their other commitments. When I work with couples, I ask for a mere eight hours per week.
1: So... That's startling to me. It is. The average couple only spends an hour per week together alone. And uh, she said, what, people having an affair? They spend 15 hours a week. How do they do that? Because everybody is so busy. And the answer is when something is, is important to you, you somehow find you the time. You make the time, yeah. So it's a it's a real wake up call about okay how what is most important to you in your
2: life. So we all have 16 hours a week then the one plus the 15 <laughs> yeah. to spend with our spouse. And, and she says I just ask for eight hours a week, essentially an hour
1: a day on on the average where you're not uh, just you know covering the tasks of life, I suppose. Um, so it just gives you a sense of taking a breath. And nurturing this fantastic relationship that we call marriage, mm-hmm. and that's that's the point of it. Uh, and and Jonathan, just very quickly, um, you know, the the idea of uh, making sure you pay attention to that which is most important. Right. Remember when Jonah was swallowed by the big fish? Yeah, of course. And he's praying in the belly of the
2: fish. Yep. And while he prays, Jonah chapter two verse eight. Uh, he says. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. So Jonah was explaining his
1: own difficulty, his own challenge, in that he was focusing on what he wanted rather than what God wanted. And when we just focus on us rather than the bigger picture, we lose focus on what's important. And that same principle happens within marriage. Mm -hmm. If we just focus on just me... And we don't focus on our spouse, then we lose the whole thing.
2: This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning is marriage really needed? Coming up, what does emptying the dishwasher, changing the toilet paper, emptying the trash and recycles have to do with marriage? That's next. Oh, don't forget paper towels. Just <laughs> saying. <laughs>
0: Listening to Christian
2: Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning is marriage really needed? To be a part of our program, call toll free 866 985 4255. That's 866 985 4 all. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now, and our website is ChristianQuestions.net
1: I might add our brand new website just just released yesterday. Uh, brand new, folks, you got to check it out. ChristianQuestions.net Let us know what you think. Leave your comments. You can leave your comments there. You can leave them on Facebook. We'd love to hear uh, what you think. So, Jonathan, I was mentioning that uh, yesterday started the day in Virginia. Yes, you did. We were in Virginia because our son, Tim, uh, actually was getting married. He got oh, married wonderful. on Friday. And so, you know, the we drove down to Virginia the day before the blizzard. Mm-hmm. The blizzard happens on the day of his wedding, and then we drive home the day after the blizzard. <laughs> and uh, so we go down there for the wedding, and, of course, we're down there, and we're hearing about all this stuff happening. And uh, And then it comes on the news that Hamden... Town I live in, in Connecticut, Hamden, Connecticut, has like the highest snow total of anything,
2: anybody. Forty inches.
1: Forty inches of snow. I've never seen that much snow at one time. And you still haven't
2: been there yet to no, see it. No,
1: couldn't get there. <laughs> so we're driving home, and we literally couldn't get there. First of all, because I have a 150 foot driveway, and there's 40 inches of snow in the way. Mm-hmm. So okay,
7: <laughs> you know,
1: do the math. <laughs> but literally, you know, the roads were open. I 95 was open, but it was a disaster. It was it was worse than driving down a back country road and you had tractor trailer trucks and you had all this kind of stuff it took us hours and hours and hours to get through the state of connecticut wow it was it was It was nightmarish. It was scary at some point. You were saying down to one lane at times. Yeah, and I mean, abandoned cars everywhere. You couldn't get off on on the ramps because the cars were blocking the ramps. Abandoned cars were blocking so many of the exit ramps. People were spinning out right in front of us. It just was one of those things you look at and say, what is going on? Why am I on this road? But you couldn't get off. (laughs) It was was amazing. What an amazing story. I'm glad you made it through. So am I. Thank the Lord for his protection and guidance on that one. Okay, let's get back to our subject here, uh, and, and let's go back to, uh, we're going to want to begin to tell a story of an old married couple. The, these folks have been married for 66 years, and uh, we're going we're gonna to go through their story throughout the rest of the program. So, Fred, let's go to uh, uh, the, um, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Number four. No, no, yeah, hold on here. I, um, I, sorry, we're not going to that story yet. I flipped too many pages.
2: No problem.
1: <laughs> like I said, we're going to talk about emptying the dishwasher. That's, that's what I thought. Because that you were the one who said, you know, what is it, emptying the dishwasher got to do with, with marriage? What has that got to do with this? This guy, Mark Gunger, he used to be a, a pastor, is a marriage counselor, and he is, the, he is funny. He okay. just is funny in how he explains and, and, and helps us understand marriage. So listen to how he explains the difference between men and women.
8: But the more you appreciate the kindnesses that he does, the more he wants to do it. Men respond. Men, I'm telling you, they love to be appreciated. Now, my, give, give you an example. I was at home, and I had a dirty dish in my hand. I was up by myself. And I'd actually gotten trained to the point I could put it away in a dishwasher. <laughs> and, uh, and I went up to the dishwasher, and I opened it up, but it was full of clean dishes. And that's, that's a moral dilemma to a man. <laughs> <laughs> So it finally dawns on my little brain, empty the dishwasher. So without being asked, I empty the dishwasher and I put everything away. And, and, and then, of course, I stick around because I don't see what happens.
2: <laughs>
8: Why? Because I, I love to be appreciated. So my wife comes home, she,
3: says, la, 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 la.
8: she goes over to the dishwasher and goes, Ha! Ah, you emptied the dishes. And she goes, You're such you uh, a yeah. good <laughs> husband. And I eat it up.
1: <laughs> so he <we> he's <laughs> <Alrighty. laughs> funny, but you know he hits on so many true things he you does, know. The, he? the the the
2: moral dilemma the moral
1: dilemma oh no, they're all clean dishes in there. What do I do now?
2: How do I hide this dirty dish yeah. <laughs>
1: it just gives you a sense of and and that just helps us understand men do love to be uh, appreciated yes. and and we're going to get to what what really drives women in 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 a few uh, few minutes here but men love to be appreciated and that's really a bottom line here so so uh for all of our female listeners understand that, that and that is very true mm-hmm. it is a very very true thing and we know we're wired differently uh, because the scriptures show us different
2: roles that we should be playing in our marriages. Ephesians five twenty-one to 24 And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. So you have this,
1: uh, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And then it talks about wives being subject to their husbands. And when you think about that, there's so many of us that look at that with that sort of that sense of, ha, you know, men rule the roost. (laughs) That's not what it means. Not even remotely close, because it is as Christ also is head of the church. Does
2: Christ... Rule
1: the church with that no. kind of an attitude. He does it through love or,
2: and sacrifice and giving,
1: or does he work at making everything the very best for them? Absolutely. And that is the model that we're given. You know, it's a simple thing: be subject to your husbands, even as Christ uh, is is head uh, over the church. That gives us a sense of that he's the Savior. He was willing to die for the church. So, what does that mean? Our relationship should be to our wives. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it just gives you a great sense of, of of the the reality of what marriage is supposed to look like. Folks, if you have a thought on marriage, on love, on how it all works, on commitment, it's eight six six nine eight five four two five five. Toll free eight six six nine eight five four all. We are live Sunday mornings from seven to nine. That means we're on right now. We're here on the day after, two days after the great blizzard of 2013 where we got 40 inches of snow in my hometown. (laughs) And I can't even get to my house yet.
2: (laughs) Hey, and if you have more to say after the program, you can write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. And check out our brand new website at ChristianQuestions.net. There are many ar- ar- archive programs you can listen to on a variety of subjects. Again, that's ChristianQuestions.net. And don't forget CQ Rewind.
1: And, you know, with CQ Rewind, uh, Kathy was, was talking about CQ Rewind last week. And one of the things we're starting, Jonathan, is we realize that everybody doesn't have a computer. Mm-hmm. A lot of our listeners may not have a computer, but they think, well, gee, I wish I could get the CQ Rewind thing, uh, but I don't have a computer. Right. Well, what we're going to begin doing is offering a a physical version of CQ Rewind that we will mail to you on a weekly basis, free of charge. Uh, Just write us at that P.O. Box that Mm -hmm. you had. uh,
2: 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320.
1: And we will take that address, and each week as the CQ Rewind comes out, we'll print off a copy and we'll mail it to you because he, just because you don't have a computer doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to get to the good stuff. I like it. So uh, just, we, we're looking forward to that. See, with the new website, all kinds of good things start to happen. All right. Let's now begin to tell the story that I thought we were telling before, but we weren't telling before. <laughs> That's a typical husband thing, incidentally. You know that, right? Oh, I do getting, know that. Getting well. things out of order and, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. And my wife looks at me with that so smile. So this married couple for 66, 66 years, right?
1: 66 years, and this is how they started their relationship.
3: At our church, we was having a social. We were sitting there laughing and talking. So Jethro came up, he spoke to us, and then he threw his hat in my lap. I said, i was know what's the that After a while, he walked on off, but he asked me before he walked off, can he walk me home? I said, I don't care. And he said, all right. And we started from there. That was our first beginning.
1: So, How cute. isn't that he throws his hat in her lap and then he asks if he can walk her home? She's and like,
2: "Who is this crazy yeah, guy?"
1: Like, okay, I don't care. You can tell she's playing hard to get right from the
2: start. Like,
1: what's wrong with him? <laughs> and, uh, and again, sixty-six years later, they're telling their story. That tells you something. It's it's precious and it's valuable mm-hmm. to to hear that story. Uh, let's continue with Ephesians, Jonathan, chapter five, twenty-five to thirty-one.
2: Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be Holy and blameless. So
1: when you look at those scriptures, those are right after where it says, you know, women be subject to your husband. (laughs) And then it describes. Wow how the husband treats his wife and there is a sensitivity there and there is a an honor and a respect mm-hmm. that it to me it's breathtaking yes as it describes Jesus with with us and his care and his sacrifice and his wanting to present us in the most glorious state possible that's the kind of love that we should be having
2: and continuing so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh.
1: So it's talking about, it it keeps using that word love, that word love. He loves his own wife. Uh, If you love your wife, you love yourself. I mean, it's just giving you a sense that. Now, is that the agape love? That is the highest form of love, that selfless, benevolent Uh, kind of love.
2: That giving, that sacrificing for someone else.
1: Yeah. Jonathan, we actually have a call. Uh, We have Alex from Tennessee on line one. Oh, no, we did have Alex from Tennessee on line one. He left it. Okay, I get it now. Part of our, our, our electronics is not working, so we're writing handwritten notes <laughs> to keep things going here. And it's not uh, quite, i got to figure out the, the, the system here. But he, um, so so Trish, he was asking to explain this, the patriarchal system. Wait, wait I, we can't hear you way over there.
6: Quick, quick, quick. He was asking, um, since Abraham, the marriage institution that was established under Abraham is a patriarchal system. How does that fit into modern society?
1: Okay, so uh, he was talking about the fact that, well, you've got that patriarchal system way back then. That's not the way it works today, so how can you balance the two? And I think the, the best answer for that, Jonathan, is you don't have to try to go back to the patriarchal society to have the principles of marriage still work, to have the husband still be the head of the house, but in such a way that it is with love and compassion and honesty and integrity and goodness. And should there be equality? Sure, as far as possible, there's equality, but the buck has to stop somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you look back at the Abrahamic society, and it was very different than it is now. But we are in in a situation where we can take the best of what we know scripturally, and we can put it to work in today's world. And you know what? Just because we have all kinds of liberation and all that today doesn't mean it's all good and all great. Because what it does is it tries to take away the differences. That's what a lot of liberation does. It tries to take away the differences between the sexes instead of celebrating the differences and how they can work together. I like that. So uh, we want to thank Alex for, for that, uh, that thought there. Let's go to the next soundbite, Jonathan. We want to go back to Mark Gunger, And uh, this is uh, what women um, are really drawn to uh, in their lives.
8: Now, guys, get a clue here. I know it's hard, but she loves unexpected kindness. You need to learn to give her unexpected things, unexpected little things. That's how you can keep a woman crazy in love with you in that way. I told my guys, I, I want to write a book, 365 Unexpected Things a Man Can Do for a Woman. And I thought about it, and I went, 52 unexpected <laughs> things. Sure,
3: do that every day. You know, what, what was I thinking? You know? <laughs>
1: Oh, that's so good. That's good. it's so man. <laughs> it is. Uh, so, uh, but again, what women really, truly, truly uh, love is unexpected kindness, and it doesn't have to be some great, great, big, big thing. Little things that just let them know you're thinking about them and they're special. And so it doesn't take, you know, doesn't take moving forty inches of snow, but it, it takes the thought of moving it for her. Nice. You know that that of course that's expected. Like of course you're going to move it for me. <laughs> but it, it's it's those little things that give your 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 wife that sense that she is
2: the most important thing. Jonathan, let's go to the phones. Who do we have? We have David from Pennsylvania. Good morning, David, David and welcome. From
7: Allentown, Pennsylvania. Good morning, Rick, and good morning, Jonathan. Wait, now, is
1: this the David from Allentown, Pennsylvania?
7: Uh, it, it is, as a matter of it, fact.
1: David Stein, uh, often a guest on our program. David, welcome to the program.
7: Oh, it's, it's been a great program so far. I was listening to uh, the both of you discuss the Genesis account of the creation of Adam and Eve, and, Rick, you made the observation that uh, the rib is close to the heart. I heard another uh, perspective of that as well, is that uh, the rib is under the arm, and uh, the appropriate responsibility of a man to his wife is to love her, to protect her, to have his arm around her, and uh, all of this is so beautifully figured uh, by the early Genesis account. In, uh, in Proverbs 18.23, it says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of Jehovah. So the, the institution of marriage is just a, a wonderful one, and uh, my wife and I, we just celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary last uh, last November.
2: Congratulations.
7: So, uh, I, I can certainly uh, testify that uh, as a God-given institution, it's one of the best things that ever happened to me.
1: Well, that's good to be a living example. David, thanks so much for the call. We appreciate it.
7: You have a great day. Bye-bye. T- take care.
1: So we have one inch of snow for every year of his, of his married life <laughs> <laughs> at my house. That's a lot of married life, that is. and it's a lot of snow. Uh, so, and, and again, that's such again such a great picture of the importance of the the relationship of a man's responsibility toward his wife. Instead of folks, you know, look. Instead of focusing on women being subject to the man, focus on the man's responsibility. In, in, in that Ephesian scripture, the woman says, "Love your husband and be subject to them." That's all. The men are told, love and give yourself up for her. Love her and care for her as your own body. Uh, Your your love for her becomes your way of self-preservation. You're supposed to cherish her. You're supposed to leave all other ties aside for her sake. So it gives the woman a one-sentence instruction... And it gives the man a paragraph. Wow. <laughs> so, is that telling you that men have a hard time learning? <laughs> uh, it's
2: telling us we have a lot of responsibility in marriage. And that's the other point of it. So, folks,
1: that's what we're looking at here, is the beauty and the sanctity of marriage and the roles
2: that we need to play. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning is, is marriage really needed? Coming up, danger signs in marriage. Four kinds of behavior most likely... To predict divorce.
0: That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back to Christian Questions.
2: I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is Marriage Really Needed? To be a part of our program, call toll free 866 985 4255. That's 866 985 4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website. ChristianQuestions.net.
1: And as we look at uh, marriage, uh, you mentioned at the end of the last segment, there are danger signs yes. for marriage. And, and this is something we really need to pay attention to. Before that, though, Jonathan, you said you had what? How much snow did you have at your house?
2: I think we had about 28 inches.
1: That's a lot of snow. I, I don't uh, care what
2: anybody says. That's a lot of snow. So I, you're... I was trying to keep up on the shoveling. I tried you know, after two or three inches, oh, I'm going to clear it to make it easier for the next. But By the time I went back out there, it didn't look like I made a dent. <laughs> it looked like it was leveled off. The wind must have blown it all back even. So, so uh, how are uh, you feeling today? Oh, I'm sore. Had you taken a you leave. old man,
1: you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Call me tomorrow and ask me how I'm feeling. <laughs>
2: yeah, after your 40 inches. <laughs> yeah,
1: and 150 foot driveway. <laughs> oh, man.
5: <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right, danger signs in a marriage. And, folks, there 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 are a lot of them, and there are things that you can look at and say, okay, are these things that I have to be watching out for in my own marriage? Because marriage, contrary to many popular opinions, contrary to Disney movies, marriage is not just happily, live happily ever after. It's work at it happily ever after.
2: Yeah. That's really the way. You have to do your marriage, like the song.
1: Right. Right, exactly. That what like you do. That Clint, it's, it's what we do. So this is from a, a YouTube segment called Marriage uh, is for Life. And again, this is the story of that couple married 66 years. There's
9: wisdom here. Listen. We're five years. And we had to build a confidence in each other. And we married on a birthday. We married one Wednesday night, 9-15. And at my house now, all across the stop. At 9.15, and I look at that clock almost every morning and remember what I said when I told Reverend King Sr. that I'd take this to be my wife. Do so you take this girl to be your lawful wedded wife? I guess so. And how in the whole to death do you part? You, you, you mean that? Uh, yes, sir.
1: So he's rec- recalling 66 years ago. He, they were actually married by Martin Luther King Sr., Wow, and they grew up with Martin Luther King Jr. How about that? So, and he said he every almost every morning when he in the morning at nine fifteen he remembers he got married at nine fifteen on a Wednesday night, and he remembers those words he said. And I think there's something
2: incredibly That's a good touchstone powerful wow.
1: about that, about that 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 connection to to making sure that things are the way they ought to be. Let's look at Galatians six two to five. And folks, if you have a thought, it's eight six six nine eight five. 4255, toll free, 866 985 We're live
2: Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinketh himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let each man prove his own work, and then shall he have his glorying in regard of himself alone and not of his neighbor, for each man shall bear his own burden.
1: So to bear one another's burdens is to show the, the highest trust one for another. Because if you're going to trust somebody else with your burden, uh, and that means that you're, you're walking together in, in, a, in a very, very significant way. But if you're not, it's showing pride and a lack of humility. And so if we are not allowing our spouses to, or as spouses, we are not bearing one another's burdens, we are not walking in that pathway of trust. No, we're not. And that can be one of the danger signs. Now, it's not the four, necessarily, that, no. that we're going to talk about right now. This was a John Stossel. This is old. This is from 1993. A John Stossel special on marriage. He has a, um, a marriage um, uh, psychologist, I think, John Gottman, on the program with him. And they're talking about what he calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse of marriage. <laughs> oh, no. You know, that the four horsemen that could bring marriage down. Let's listen.
7: Among all the problems couples have, Gottman
2: says there are four kinds of behavior
7: that are most likely to predict divorce. Well, what we find is that there are what I call four horsemen of the apocalypse. These are the four things that happen that are characteristic of couples who are on a trajectory toward their marriages falling apart. And the first one is uh, criticism, and the second one is defensiveness. The third one is... uh, Contempt, however that's expressed, and the fourth one is really withdrawing in the interaction. Gottman says the biggest predictor of divorce is when the husband withdraws.
1: So they're talking about four things: criticism, defensiveness, contempt for one another, and withdrawing in the interaction. In other words, just you know, kind of like giving up on trying to plow through something, uh, rather than uh, and rather than plow through it, you're know, just withdrawing. Saying it's not even worth it.
2: Yeah, and it it turns into selfishness from the person that's giving up. So we have to be aware of those things because, look, we can all be critical, right? Oh, yeah.
1: And we can all be defensive, right? Absolutely. Now, contempt contempt is really going a little bit further than perhaps most of us would would, would want to. And and we all, at times, I would imagine, tend to withdraw a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, look, we all participate in a lot of these very difficult things. Left unchecked, though... These things can bring disaster to a marriage. And a marriage is supposed to be for life. So if you want it to be for life, obviously, you know what, It's it's like driving a car. If you want to drive a car for a long time, change the oil. Do the maintenance. Mm-hmm. Do the work that's required to keep the car running. Do the work that's required to keep the marriage running. You know, holding grudges and complaining never going to be helpful in a marriage. Not at all. And, and there's there's a there's a proverb here. And proverb we won't read the whole thing. Proverbs nineteen eleven to thirteen um,
2: that that gives you sort of two sides of an issue. And it says it is his glory to overlook a transgression. Okay, that's one part of the the, the proverb. What's the, the next? Other? Is, The contentions of a wife are a constant dripping so you
1: hear <laughs> and and you got to be you look at that and say you got to be careful with that because you, now again are we saying that you know it's its wife it's... no what we're saying is that it can come across that way and if it it does one of the things that we ought to do it's our glory to overlook a transgression it's our glory to to be able to put those things in perspective and to communicate our way through those potential difficulties good point because look if a wife is 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 you feel like you're being nagged, maybe, hey, here's an idea. Maybe she's trying to tell you something. Oh, how about that? Uh, listen with those ears <laughs> <laughs> instead of just looking handsome. Listen with those ears. OK. Um, folks, if you have a thought, it's eight six six nine eight five four two five five, toll free, eight six six nine eight five four all. We are live Sunday mornings from seven to nine. That means we're on right now. And our brand-new, brand-new, brand-new website is ChristianQuestions.net, just just released yesterday, completely overhauled from top to bottom. You're going to find a lot of great features on there. Please go check it out, ChristianQuestions.net.
2: And the com- conversation continues online at ChristianQuestions.net. Contact us there with your questions or comments. Also, interact with us on our Facebook and our always-updated blog. And again, folks... If you are, if we're not on in your area for the next hour,
1: please go to ChristianQuestions.net. Click the Listen Live button and follow along. Stay with the conversation. You can listen online and you can participate with us online uh, at ChristianQuestions.net. Listen Live button. Jonathan, another thing about marriage that's important is letting anger or resentment
2: fester. Never a good thing.
1: It's always going to, like you hurt today from shoveling so much. Yes. Letting anger and resentment fester is going to hurt tomorrow. Ephesians four twenty-five to twenty-seven.
2: Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity.
1: So what this is saying is, speak truth, each one of you. Now, this is not specifically about marriage. Right. But it is a principle that applies to a good marriage. Mm-hmm. Speak truth with your spouse. Be angry. It's okay to be angry. See, that's a, that's that could be one of those those uh, false impressions that we get. Uh, well, you know, okay, they, I'm supposed to love my wife all the time. That means I should never be upset. That's not what this is saying. No. This is saying be angry, but don't sin.
2: Take care of it before the evening is over. Don't right. don't go to bed angry. Don't and, l- and not taking care of it.
1: So it's okay to have that anger, but it's not okay to hide that anger. It, talk it
2: through. Right. Ask forgiveness if you made a mistake so that in the morning everything is good and you're ready to start again.
1: You know, you brought up an imp- important point. Ask forgiveness if you made a mistake. Well, you're the one who's angry. So you're thinking your spouse is the one who made the mistake. But but what you're saying is be willing to ask forgiveness yes. because you have to be willing to admit fault. Exactly. All right. So... Um, I do want to go to the, to the soundbite, Jonathan, because I love it. I, Jonathan doesn't like this one nah. so much. Nah. <laughs> but here, one of the problems in our society today is men are not men. They are wimps. That's what they are. They don't stand up. They don't. They don't have the integrity. They don't have the maturity to be real men in their relationships. And I kid with my daughters all the time about, you know, men are they men or are they muppets? And the, the, there was a movie that just came out, the Muppet movie. We all went to see it as a family, as a matter of fact. And uh, this is a verse from a song uh, uh, from the Muppet movie. Challenging. There's a, there's a man and a muppet. They're brothers. You know, Gary and Walter are brothers. The muppet is is, is Walter, and Gary's the man. And you know, the man is too muppet and the Muppet is too mannish. Jonathan's okay. looking at me like, what are you doing this for? Just listen. This is fun. Just listen. Mary, surprise! Mary's Gary's girlfriend.
3: Gary, I've gone home. I love you, but you need to decide. Are you a man or a Muppet? Yeah.
6: I reflect on my reflection And
2: I ask myself the question What's the right direction? Right now, I don't want to leave Walter. Go.
8: He needs me. I don't know, sweetheart. I don't know. He seems pretty happy. Yeah, good job.
0: Am I a man or am I a muppet? Am
10: I a muppet? If I'm a muppet, then I'm a very manly muppet. Am I a muppet? So much.
5: If I'm a man, that makes me a muppet
7: of a man. A muppet of a man. You don't
2: let the most important person in your world
7: slip away.
1: Now, see, it's all about deciding are you a man or a muppet? And the idea is are you gonna stand up and be manly and accept all of the responsibility that you ought to be accepting, or are you just gonna be a wimpy little Muppet that says, Oh, welcome to the Muppet Show You know, it, it's it's a whole different scenario to actually man up. And I just think that's a funny way of, of expressing it.
2: Alrighty then. Okay,
1: <laughs> move on. Jonathan <laughs> says, Move on, Rick, will you please? I just I every time I hear that I just laugh hysterically. Generally it's pride and ego that bring that is behind our maritally
2: destructive behavior. Proverbs 16, 18, and 19. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud.
1: We often find that if you are running into troubles with your marriage, pride, your own pride, not your spouse's pride, right, right. but it's your own pride that you'd better check. Exactly. Because that is what the scriptures say, that's what goes before destruction. And it's not the idea of finding... That goes before destruction. It's your own. So the scriptural principle that applies uh, to a marriage union is very well laid out in 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 3.
2: Now concerning food sacrificed to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to have something does not yet have the necessary knowledge, but anyone who loves God is known by him.
1: So the scriptural principle is knowledge can be puffing us up, making us feel all, all uh, full of ourselves. But love is what builds up. And love, we find, remember that that highest form of love is that benevolence, that willingness to give yes. without even getting back. Right. It doesn't matter what you get back. What matters is the ability and the privilege of giving. Yes. That's the kind of love that really drives a true successful marriage. So if we take those two things, we take the concept of pride and understand it, and then we apply that benevolent love... All of a sudden, you are now putting your life into a perspective that makes much, much more sense. Look, in the second hour, folks, there's so much more to come. One of the big questions for the second hour is, what if you're married and then you meet your soulmate? Then what do you do? Is there something, should, should, you, should you try to, well, we're going to get to that in the second hour, so you have to stay with us for that. Much more to come on what makes marriage work, and why marriage is such an incredibly wonderful institution that requires so much incredibly hard but rewarding work. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We'll be back after the news and that. Again, if you're not, we're not on in your area in the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.net, hit Listen Live, leave your comments on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you there. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions. Is marriage really needed? We'll be back soon. Till then, think about it.
0: This is Christian Questions.
1: Doug Larson once said, more marriages might survive if the partners realized that sometimes the better comes after the worse. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions. Talk radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And, Jonathan, what is our subject This fine Sunday morning you love, Dr. U. The
2: (laughs) snowy fine Sunday morning.
1: Very (laughs) snowy Sunday morning, yes. Very snowy blizzard,
2: post-blizzard Sunday morning. Here in Connecticut. Well, Rick, our question is, is marriage really needed? And our theme text is found in Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the answer to that question, is marriage really needed?
1: Yes, but marriage, real marriage, is really needed. There you go. Not not the, the pseudo-marriage, not the, oh, let's get married, why? Because we love each other. Not that kind. Uh, because there's so much more to marriage than just loving each other. Loving each other is important. Oh, yes. But it's not the bottom line. No. And this segment, folks, we're going to be talking about the concept of a soulmate. Do you have a soulmate? Why do you think they're your soulmate? What makes a soulmate? Uh, is a, the, the whole concept of soulmate legitimate? Let uh, let us know at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866 866- Nine eight five four 985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now.
2: And our website, ChristianQuestions.com.
1: Brand new website. You said .com. I did. Because it's .com or .net. You got it. ChristianQuestions.com. ChristianQuestions.net makes no difference. It's all brand new. It is a great, great website. I'm so excited about it. So do check it out.
2: Well, I was talking to my wife, Jewel, uh, last night about the program, she said, well, what is a soulmate? Uh-huh. Is it someone that thinks the way you do or understands you? What is it?
1: And we're going to actually get deeply into that in just a couple of minutes. So that's a really good question, and uh, I think the answer might be even a little surprising. <laughs> uh, let's go back to our story about the married couple, uh, married 66 years. Uh, the the husband is now explaining um, just how he treats his wife on, on a daily basis. Listen to this.
9: I'll think about when I get out of bed tomorrow, what I'm going to tell my wife this morning. I got a nice word I'm going to tell her today. And I go, hey, Sugar Bee. Yeah, Sugar Bee, that's our a, that's a name for the day. Tomorrow will be another name. Think about making people happy. And we're still working at it. And I want to keep on working at it. And grow a little bit more about it every day.
1: So what he does is he tries to make up an endearing name for his wife every day. Isn't that nice? 66 years, that's a lot of names. <laughs> you know, but the whole point is he's working at, at 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 addressing her in in a way that shows that she's special
2: that that's neat and, I like
1: that and it does hey sugar bee <laughs> I don't know what my wife would do if I called her sugar bee. I'm not sure <laughs> different strokes for different folks, you know what I mean. <laughs> But it just gives you a sense of the effort that's required right. in developing and maintaining that marriage. You think, well, oh, gee, after sixty-six years, shouldn't they have it down by now? Should they know? <laughs> right. But he says, well, we're still working at it every day. And what a great piece of advice from someone who really does know. Yes. After all that time. Yes. A general summation of the guidelines to which, uh, with which to assess our marriage role. Uh, Romans two verses. am uh, sorry, Romans twelve verses three and four. Again, this is a general principle here.
2: For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function.
1: So it's saying that we all do different things. We all have different roles, and this is a great guideline to look at the marriage. Don't try to make your spouse you or an extension of you have them be the best them they are and find the parts of them that supplement what you are
2: they complement you
1: Exactly and and you were saying about that about your your yeah. own
2: wife Um my wife makes up for what I lack she you know the phrase she completes me well I think it's a perfect fit and I didn't choose her. I asked the Lord to find me a wife because my decision makings up to that point in life were not good. <laughs> <laughs> I said, help me out here. See? And he brought to me just just who and what I needed. See, that showed you were a man, not a Muppet right
1: there. <laughs> See, by, by putting such an important decision in the hands of God. And that takes humility. And that's such an important part of being a real man in a marriage, is to have that humility. Uh, Jonathan, I want to go to the soulmate thing. I want to give you the context before we listen to this next soundbite. It's a little bit long. This is Mark Gunger, the the marriage counselor, the the former uh, pastor. He is responding to an email from a married man who, although he has, this married man has a wonderful wife of 20 years, he thinks he's found his true, quote, soulmate,
2: unquote. In another woman? In
1: another woman, Oh. So he's writing this email to Mr. Gunger saying, "You know, I've been married for twenty years, but I found my soulmate, and I need to be with her. And you know, so I don't know what to do. I've got this wonderful wife. She is a wonderful person. We've been married for twenty years, but I found my soulmate. Let's listen to what uh, part of what Mr. Gunger says in response.
6: Soulmate? Is
7: there such a thing as a soulmate?
8: I, I know, but you know, if people want to say that." As a term of endearment, you know, she's my soulmate, like she's my sweetheart. So I'm like, I got no problem with that. But what they're trying to buy into is that there's this one special cosmic person just for you. And what he's saying is, oh, my goodness, I have a great wife, a fabulous life, but she's my soulmate. And surely God doesn't want me to miss out on my soulmate. You know, he's bought into a broken, stupid line of thinking. Mm
5: -hmm. You know, it, it
8: comes from pagan thinking. It actually comes from Greek mythology. Really? Yeah. The Greeks at one time believed that people had four legs and four arms, and some debate whether or not we had two heads or one face, one head with two faces, but we basically...
6: Really? Like, yes, that is fascinating. Yes.
8: <laughs> oh, based in fact, of course, you know, Greek mythology. So anyway, apparently we made some God angry. Okay. And he came and he split us all in half. Oh. And that's how we want up, with two legs, oh, two arms, way and way just the way. one
5: face. I'm getting the connection And part now. of the
8: punishment now is... You have to search out the world to find your other.
5: Wandering wow. to find that. Yes. Oh. To be whole.
1: You complete me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was shocked when I heard that the concept of soulmate actually came from Greek mythology. I had no idea. And, but it, ma- it makes sense. You, it literally, you were cut in half. And you have to find that one person, that one, the way he puts it, that one cosmic person that makes you whole. And he's looking at this, this man who is married, who has made a covenant before God to this woman for 20 years, uh, looking at this other woman as his soulmate, the one who will make him whole.
2: The one he thinks he should really be with.
1: Because God wouldn't want to keep you from your soulmate, would he? And his response, the part that we didn't play is, buddy, that's adultery. Stop it. You... Dumbo. I mean, he really
2: said it in other words. Yeah, he
1: did. But, you know, he's really he's saying stop already. It's not even a real idea, this idea that there's some cosmic person out there just for you. And that's the only one. It's bunk. What it is, is marriage is built on commi- committing to somebody whom you have that attachment to and making it work. So, the, sorry to blow up the whole romantic idea of the one person in the whole world for you, but that's pagan. Th- it is. It it absolutely is. And I, I was shocked shocked to hear that. So the idea of a soulmate could be such a devious device of the deceiver. I mean, that's Mm. really, in my mind, what it is. Once we're attached, we're undoubtedly, we have ups and downs in life, and it may be uh, as though at at those down times when we get restless and start to believe that lie that there may be somebody else out there for us. Mm. And then your eyes start to wander, and with your eyes starting to wander, your mind starts to wander because you're in a difficult, down situation, um, and you're, you're not getting feeling like you're getting what you ought to be getting. Uh, and, and look, let's put this in perspective because this is dangerous. It is. So let's go to Matthew five twenty-seven to 30 for some blunt words from Jesus on the matter. And these are blunt, straightforward, listen-to-me words.
2: You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into gehenna if your right hand makes you stumble cut it off and throw it from you for it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole part whole body to go into gehenna so jesus is being very blunt and he's talking we all know what adultery
1: is but he's also saying that when you look at a woman you commit adultery with with lust. Mm-hmm. You commit adultery with that woman in your heart. So you've done it in your heart. You have committed a sin in your heart. Now, you have not committed the physical sin. But he's saying... So weed it out as soon as it gets exactly, in there. Exactly. 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 So this idea... And that's why dealing with this in the context of the soulmate thing is so important. So that we don't get all tied up in knots over the thought that, uh, well, I found my soulmate, therefore I need to go pursue that. No, 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 no. You need to stay where you are because you've made a covenant uh, before
2: God. It's such an important thing.
1: Uh, Jonathan, let's go to phones line one.
2: Yes, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions.
10: Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Rick, uh, one uh, solution to your uh, uh, 150-foot driveway, 40 inches of snow. Yeah. Have a snow shoveling party. Yeah. <laughs> you want to come over, Julius? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be over. Uh, yes, yeah, seriously, uh, is uh, marriage really necessary? Of course it is, because God says so. And, uh, you know, uh, beautiful saying about uh, do not put a period where God puts a comma, because God is still speaking. hmm and so many, uh, you might recall, and particularly in the New Testament, where it says, "He that hath an ear, let him he- let him hear." You know, hear right. what God is saying. Right. God says it's a serious uh, commitment. It's a sacred commitment. Um, I like the scripture that uh, David from uh, Pennsylvania gave this morning, Proverbs 18, mm-hmm. uh, in the 20s there. He says he defines a wife finds a good thing. I also like to think that it works the other way, too. He finds a husband or she defines a husband. She finds a good thing. It right. works both ways. We'd like to think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, I think a key which can I think harmonizes what you've been saying is that uh, if we put in the relationship, if we put transcend self-gratification with sacrifice for each other. That would go a long way to uh, perpetuating the beautiful relationship of marriage. God bless.
2: Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. Bye-bye. So
1: Julius puts it in perspective. Self-sacrifice belongs in marriage. And it's not that I'm sacrificing my wife's self. I'm sacrificing <laughs> myself. Let's get it straight. Let's understand. Let's man up as, as men. Because you know what, Jonathan? I really believe that one of the big, 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 big issues with marriage today is men aren't real men in, in, in terms of marriage. And when I say be a man, I mean have integrity, have have that commitment, be the leader in your household, and draw your spouse toward a godly way and show them not only in what you say in, but in what you do what it means to be a godly man and you can't go wrong. And bring out the best
2: in your wife exactly, and
1: your children. And that's a whole other byproduct part of, of this whole equation. Let's really quickly touch on Ecclesiastes 9.9 before this segment is over.
2: Enjoy life with a woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun.
1: So enjoy life with the woman with whom you love all the days of your fleeting life. You know what? Your life is really not that long. And And, she is a gift. And she is a gift to you for your life. Now, is she perfect? No. But are you perfect? (laughs) Far from (laughs) perfect. Heck no. (laughs) So we have to put all of that in its right perspective and then commit ourselves to enjoying the life and the gift of our marriage that we
2: are given. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is Marriage Really Needed? Coming up, what is love? No, really. Can it be explained? What are some ingredients to love that we can understand? That's next.
0: You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian
2: Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is Marriage Really Needed? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866 866-985 985 We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com or net.
1: That's right. ChristianQuestions.com, ChristianQuestions.net, all the same thing. All a brand new website with all kinds of features on there. Folks, we'd love to get your feedback on it. Uh, Tell us what you think. Let us know. You can certainly uh, leave your comments on Facebook as well, or you can email us at Rick at ChristianQuestions.net. And, you know, Jonathan, just to to diverge before we go to the phones, one quick moment. Uh, Last week you weren't here, but we did a program on, on suicide. Yes. We got quite a bit of response from that program. Uh, from folks who were very appreciative of the timing of that program for them in their lives. And what that tells me is that there is a lot of stress and pressure in the lives of people. That's so true. And, you know, last week was a very serious approach to a very serious topic. This week we were taking... I I just needed to take a happy, happy, happy approach to a serious topic because... uh, Marriage is serious, but, you know, there's such joy and there's such fulfillment uh, in marriage. So let's go to a um, uh, call. We're
2: going to go to Randall? Yes, we are. Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions.
11: Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. And we have Luke seventeen twenty seven. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. The world expects marriage to bring them happiness. That's the marriage you see in TV commercials. But the Christian knows that you must bring happiness to marriage. 1 Corinthians 7:14. For the unbelieving husband is made holy through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy through the brother. Humanity is created to find happiness in God. But God in his wisdom and love does not expect us to make that journey to him alone. Marriage is made perfect when couples love one another as they love God. Our love for God is love for our spouse, and our love for our spouse is our love for God. That is what makes marriage holy. Isaiah fifty four five, For he who has become your husband is your maker. His name is the Lord of hosts.
1: Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless
2: you guys. Take care.
1: And having a godly approach to marriage is for us it, it ought to be a duh moment like well, well yeah why
2: wouldn't you like the most important
1: yeah like you know why, why would you not take that godly approach to marriage and but again Jonathan sometimes it's just hard to do that in the world in which we live yeah, that's true because of the stresses of life let's read just a, a little bit before we go back to the phones uh, first Corinthians uh, yeah first Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 and 5 lists some ingredients imagine you're baking a pie and you're now you're going to list out a
2: bunch of ingredients here love is patient love is kind love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful.
1: So there are several. We won't touch on all of them, but those are several ingredients to what makes marriage work. And really, the secret is love in its highest form. I want to go back to one more soundbite before the phones, Jonathan. This is going back to David Goodnow uh, on that, that, uh, se- that uh, special on the cracking institution of marriage. And, and this, is, this is somewhat disturbing when you listen to the statistics that he goes through.
0: Half of all who marry will divorce cohabitation unmarried couples living together is up 12 fold since 1960 out of wedlock births have since exploded from one in 20 to over one in three today
7: real fact of the matter is that if marriages aren't strengthened the consequences are going to be at your doorstep in your workplace at your school it's everyone's problem we have to be concerned about and engaged in the fight to save and strengthen marriages in America
1: That brings out a very... The statistics are are, are alarming enough. They are. But the point is, you know, people say, well, why should you care what I do? Because the outgrowth of what you do is going to affect me and my family. That's why. Mm -hmm. It affects all of us. And you look at our society and the whole idea of family and and that loyalty to family has, has just diminished and crumbled away. And... The the falling apart of marriage is one of the big reasons why that's happened.
2: Let's go back to the phones, Jonathan. All right, we have James from Tennessee. Good morning, James, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Good morning, sir.
7: My question is, what is the chief and most important
10: ingredient that will hold a marriage together?
4: All right,
1: so what's the chief and most important ingredient that will hold a marriage together? What would you say the answer to that question is?
7: Supreme love for God on both parties.
1: Supreme love for God. This
7: love Go for God, believe in, to respect and love each other supremely. I think and th- that would build. Uh, that would be the basis to build a family on and hold the family together.
1: All right. So, supreme love for God on the part of both parties. Yes. Sir. James. Excellent point. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. All right. Take care
2: now. Take care.
5: You know...
1: Awesome.
2: I, I, awesome call.
5: It takes me two
1: hours to say it. <laughs> you James get it down. Just, look, supreme love for God on the part of both parties. That's what really makes a marriage tick. And Jonathan, for me... When you get down to it, and you know me, and you know my thoughts on this, but when you get down to it, love in, the, in its highest form is spelled C-O-M-M-I-T-M-E-N-T.
2: That's right, Rick. Commitment that is your favorite word for marriage. It
1: is my favorite word for marriage because that is, to me, the core value of what true love brings. Love is, Let's talk about some of those 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 ingredients to the pie, that love pie we were talking about. Love is
2: patient. James 5, 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains.
1: So a farmer can wait patiently and cultivate that, that growing plant. Why can't we wait patiently and cultivate that growing marriage? Love is kind.
2: And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you.
1: Sometimes I think in marriage we forget to be tender-hearted toward our spouse. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think it's easier to be tender-hearted to those who are not as involved in our lives as it might be to be toward our spouse. If we don't if we if we forget that tender-heartedness, then we begin to lose our grip on the most important aspects of marriage. And I
2: think men have the hardest Time to remember that.
1: I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Let's go to another soundbite. Um, back to Dana Fillmore, uh, the psychologist, the marriage psychologist. And this is, this is extremely Just like our last caller, uh, James from Tennessee, nailed down something so easy, supremely love God. Each of you. This is extremely revealing. What she says about couples who are on the verge of divorce. Listen to what she says. They say to her.
6: I don't know how many couples have come to me over the years on the verge of divorce who tell me, there's no major issues, we've just grown apart. What grown apart means to me is that they were not spending enough time together. If you don't continue to connect throughout your life, you run the risk of being married to a stranger. And how can you work on communication? How can you work on affection or money issues if you never have the opportunity? I can explain everything I know about all of these topics, but unless you have time alone to talk to each other be affectionate with one another, and enjoy each other, it won't work. The relationship between the two of you is the foundation of the marriage and family.
1: I think that is just very telling. People who are on the verge of divorce come to her and say, there's no major issues, we just simply have grown apart. And what she's saying is when you say you've grown apart, you have not worked at staying together. That's right. And that is a major
2: issue. There's the commitment part that's lacking.
1: And, and so that's why people look for their cosmic soulmate. Ooh, that doesn't exist because they get all messed up inside their heads. And and before we go back to the phones, Jonathan, I want to nail down a couple more of these other ingredients, to the pie. I mean, th- that first of all, that just nails it down. If you are growing apart, you'd better stop and better realize that what you're growing are marriage weeds, not cultivated
2: marriage fruit, so love is not arrogant, first corinthians eight two to three if anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know, but if anyone loves God, he is known by him okay so That humility has
1: got to come into play in terms of a marriage. And then love does not exist on its own way, Romans 12.10.
2: Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor.
1: And again, I think we find it easier to do that with those that are not attached to us, those who are not our spouses, so that we, uh, but when it comes to our spouse, sometimes it's, uh, okay, you know what, it's got to be my way. And that is such a
2: dangerous, just dangerous thing. Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Beth from Tennessee. Good morning, Beth, and welcome to Christian Questions.
5: Hey, good morning, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. Great. I can't believe you're there. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> that is dedication. <laughs> yeah. That's great. It was a um, scary ride, let me tell you. I bet, yeah. And congratulations on your son. Thank you very much. Um I just this is so crazy. This is so timely because my my women's group is studying this and I just want to point out um some verses um the book of 1 Peter the author is talking about household codes and the function of the household and the role of each person, the man, the slave, the wife, the you know everyone who works on the farm, everyone who is employed in the household and how those units Work together in society, and um what you said about people not having respect for the family unit uh and not doing their best to be faithful to that that that's a real problem but um I just want to point out there's a verse in first peter chapter three um it you know you someone earlier said something about Abraham being the model for Abraham and Sarah being the model for marriage, and um this verse talks about how women not only is the man descendant of Abraham, but the woman is should model herself after Sarah and should um behave in such a way that she brings honor to her family and her husband and, and possibly even convert her husband just in her ways, just in her faith and just in her standard of living. So I just thought it was so fascinating that the Bible gives us all these recipes for um, you know, how to behave and how to live in a relationship. And, and um, I just thought that was a, just an interesting point and so so close to my study. So that's all.
1: Gee, that's all, huh? That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Beth.
5: Yeah. You guys have a great day, and be careful up there.
1: Yes, ma'am. Thanks so much. We appreciate it.
5: Okay. Bye.
1: B- bye-bye. Bye. What a, you know, uh, household codes, biblical models and, and, you know, what she said, Jonathan, was so important about being able to convert perhaps an unbeliever not by what you say, but by merely how you live. Yes. And imagine if we take that principle and apply it to all parts. If there's, if there's an area in your marriage that is not as good as you'd like it to be, instead of complaining, here's a, here's a novel idea. Instead of complaining about it, live the way you want it to be. Live your part, and you watch what can happen over time. It's an amazing thing. Beth, thanks so much for the call and the input.
2: You're listening to Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. If you have a thought, give us a call. 866-985-4255. That's 866 985 We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our new website, christianquestions.com or .net and Check out CQ rewind yeah we've got bonus
1: material uh all kinds of extra stuff uh, added to the to this marriage graphics, discussion illustration it's it's just a beautiful thing and it's there it's for the taking it's free of service free of charge it's a free service uh, christianquestions. com or net it's very easy to sign up for and again you can unsubscribe anytime you want. Let's go back to our couple married 66 years because you're thinking, okay, they're going through life and, and you know, they're just working and building their relationship. Yes. Yeah, well, listen to this segment, this this soundbite on, on their marriage. Listen to this. I
3: knew something was going on because he was doing a little different. It was all like work-related. You know how people work together? Then it goes together a little bit further than work. It goes to uh, having an affair with somebody, you know, on the job, he apologized and said that don't hold that against him for a long, long time because he would not do that anymore. And if he did it anymore, I didn't know it. But that's where I say, at some time when the road gets rough and rocky, you've got to see if you can help to straighten it out.
1: That was almost a shock, Jonathan. I was Me lo- too. I was yeah. watching this YouTube thing and just sort of soaking in this relationship and the growth. Wow. And then she suddenly says, and then at one point he hadn't went and had an affair. And you're thinking... Oh, eh, poor thing. Right. But, you know, she obviously is a tough, godly woman. Because she says, okay, you know, I realize that sometimes when the road gets rough and rocky, you got to see if you can help straighten it out. So instead of saying the the road got rough and rocky, I better get off of it. She's saying, you know what, this is my marriage, this is my life, I am going to work at straightening it out. He was repentant for what he had done. He promised her he would never do it again. He said, don't hold this against me for a long time. He knew she'd hold it against him for a while. Sure. Rightfully so. Mm -hmm. But there was a coming together and a willingness to work through a massive, massive problem. And that's the signal. It was a massive problem. And they didn't give up. They worked. Amazing. It is such a great example. Uh, Jonathan, just really quickly before the end of the segment, Proverbs 5:15 to 18.
2: Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be yours alone and not for the strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. So it's a scripture in Proverbs that's saying
4: it
1: very simply, stay at home. You love your wife. Don't go searching. Don't go looking. Stay at home. Be committed to that which you committed to in a covenant before God.
2: This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, is marriage really needed? Coming up, what are some of your keys for longevity in your marriage? Let's hear them. We can use all the help we can get. That's next.
0: listening to Christian
2: Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is Marriage Really Needed? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website is ChristianQuestions.com or .net. And Jonathan, you know, as I
1: was driving back up from Virginia yesterday and the roads in Connecticut were closed because of the blizzard.
2: That's right, until and, 4 p.m.
1: And so we're making arrangements to not do the program because just in case the roads didn't reopen. Right. And I was driving along. Of course, we're in sunny Virginia. It's green grass and nice oh, and warm out. Nice. And nice. And, and just thinking, you know, dear Lord, it would, I just want to do this program so badly because it's such an important subject. But, it, you know, if, if it's okay, if we don't but oh please if we could <laughs> oh please oh please and, and sure enough the roads opened up it was a it was trial and, and, and scary and scary getting here but man what an important subject and I think that's that's the bottom line here before we go to the phones Jonathan I want to go back to that Dana Fillmore psychologist because she talks about something that a lot of us would be shocked at in in, in, in terms of the kind of advice that she gives but I think it's really really right on listen to this
6: in order our priorities should always be Marriage, kids, job, family and friends, etc. If the order gets mixed up, the whole thing could fall apart. When I ask for this, most couples look at me like, I've lost my mind. What about my job? I have to provide for the family. I don't see my kids all week. I have to spend time with them at night and on the weekends. I understand what it means to be a working couple with children. But if the marriage falls apart, it all falls apart. Your kids will not thank you if you put them first, but then get a divorce.
1: What a profound statement. Wow. Your kids will not thank you if you put them first but then get a divorce. Because somehow they're going to feel responsible for the divorce.
2: And the only thing I would add is put God before marriage. And then I really like the list.
1: Yeah, that's why you're the love doctor. (laughs)
2: Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Keith from Tennessee. Good morning, Keith, and welcome to Christian Questions. Uh, God
4: bless. Um, I don't have time to prove the existence of God today. It's uh, the, a the, the statistical probability God exists. He's 10 to 8 under the power if you aggregate all the various types of evidence. Nor get into those 15 cultural changes in America which have adversely affected many institutions, including the institution of marriage, and six steps which have implemented would... Uh, and school shootings without crashing the Second Amendment. But uh, back in 1969, I was, uh, I wrote a 98-page paper at my last year of law school on the Roman law of marriage, little realizing that what happened in the ancient Roman Republic was about to happen in America. Namely, in 197 B.C., Rome sanctioned no-fault divorce for patricians who set the tone for society. Within a century, the divorce rate went from less than 1% to over 90%, Concomitantly, uh, there were skyrocketing rates of homosexuality, abortion, infanticide, etc. Not only that, the Republican and Democratic institutions uh, disintegrated. Uh, and, of course, uh, Julius Caesar rose, you know, a, a couple of centuries later, about 50 B.C. But uh, in, in 1969, California sanctioned no fault divorce. Within five years... Um, every other state in America did, and the divorce rate, uh, you know, went from like five percent to over fifty percent. And there, there are other factors which influence that, such as women's lib and uh, the changing n- nature of the job situation.
1: All right, Keith, uh, I I don't mean to interrupt you, but we got We got to wrap up because we have a lot to cover here. Yeah, God
2: bless. Take care, Keith. Thanks so much.
1: Great, great impact. And wow. I didn't, didn't realize that. Wow! What statistics? 197 BC, the divorce rate. The, the Roman Republic introduced no fault divorce, and it created a skyrocketing divorce to rate. ninety percent. We introduced no fault divorce, and we created a skyrocketing divorce rate. What happened to the Roman Empire, incidentally? Uh, Just think about it. <laughs> Keith makes an incredibly important point. Wow. So. The, the things that make marriage strongest, and Jonathan, I think the key for longevity in marriage lies in this next scripture, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through
2: 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return on their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one... Keep warm, alone.
1: So you're talking and saying, well, okay, two are better than one, two are better than one, two are better than one. It's great. That's a great key to to marriage longevity. No, that's not the key.
2: That's just the introduction. Here's the key. Though one may be overpowered, two can defeat themselves. Defend defend themselves. themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So
1: one can be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And then it says a cord of three three strands is not quickly broken. Well, what's that third strand? God. Obviously, if we tie God and we bind God into our marriage life, it is what makes that cord not easily broken. That's right. So the key to marriage longevity is, as so many of our callers have said, it is God first and foremost. God supremely and take that love for God and express it through our love for God, to our love for our spouse. Yes, Folks, if you have a thought, now would be the time, 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866 985 all We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're
2: on right now. And stay connected to Rick and I at ChristianQuestions.com, no matter the day or time
1: brand new website at christianquestions.com christianquestions.net check it out we'd love to hear what you think of it and don't forget Seeker Rewind the full edition sign up it's free it's awesome and it's waiting for you so Jonathan let's go back to our story about the married couple married 66 years and during that time he goes and has an affair yes and she sort of in her last soundbite sounded like she was willing to say okay you gotta work through it well let's listen to how they they wrap this up
3: forgive them and try to forget it and then after a while, you will forget it and keep yourself in communication. Communication is a fine thing in marriage. And we have stood at the test of times all these years, and we still stand it. We still working on it. We got to work on it some more, but just keep on working. Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't that How about awesome that? I
1: just That's you know great.
3: you you hear that they're
1: married for sixty six years that means obviously they're in their eighties and, and you and you're listening to this couple talk and they went through hard times and what's what's the what's the answer? Forgive him and try to forget it, and then after a while you will forget it. How powerful is that mm-hmm. now obviously he worked at getting over his indiscretions. Yes. And the two of them still can be, in, and you know, what I was watching the, the YouTube video, you could see them watching them looking at each other, and you just knew that they were just connected and and that they were committed to continuing to work on their marriage. Not just to be married, but they were continued committed to continuing to work on their marriage. Clothing ourselves with grace uh, as we put our, our, away all of the damaging, imperfect Human characteristics. That's what we have to do. We've got to try to weed the imperfect human characteristics out of ourselves.
2: That's right. Not our spouses. That's right.
1: That's their job. Do your job. Yep. Don't do theirs. Colossians 3, 8 to 15. Let's just read a few of the verses.
2: But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self. Which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator.
1: So there's work of tearing down and work of building up going on at the same time. Tearing down and
2: keeping down. It, it, it you got to keep it down.
1: Right. So and the tearing down is not to tear down your spouse. Oh no, look, you have no. so many so many faults. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about you.
2: Tearing down your own faults. Right.
1: And that, keeping them down. And if we do that, and Jonathan, I want to jump down to the. You said the love doctor had one last piece of advice. <laughs> I want to get it in now because I want all to make right.
2: sure we have time to talk about it. How much can I give today to make my wife happy? And what that really boils down to is, is so
1: many different things. First of all, there's humility because it's not saying, well, you know, if I keep on giving, how is he going to make me happy? <laughs> it's, right. it's it's not no, even no. coming close to addressing that. No. It's saying I can find my fulfillment in making her happy, yes. and not even worrying about the rest. Right. So there's that uh, that humility, there's that selflessness, that that committed love that we've been talking about. And when we open the door that way, only good things can happen, because especially a, a, a woman will look at that, look at selfless giving to her, and will be deeply. Deeply appreciative. Let's finish up that scripture, Jonathan. Um, verses Colossians 3, thir- verse 13 and 14.
2: Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in Perfect harmony.
1: So, you know, this is about forgiveness here. This is about putting things in proper perspective and making sure that all of the things are are in place and being forgiving. You know, in 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 that couple's case there was adultery. Yes. And look, folks, understand something. That is a hard sin to forgive. It is. Because It it is a deeply, deeply personal sin. In, in a marriage. It yeah. is deeply personal. So rather than say, well, you know, at least it's forgivable, I'd say, you know, you got to steer yourself as far away from that kind of thing as possible. Mm-hmm. And in our world, it's not easy to steer away from it because every turn you take, there's temptation. There is. It just is. So men, be men. Not Muppets. Be men. Be, don't be boys. Be men about the commitment you've made and stand for it and draw that line in the sand that says, I will not do that or Or think that because I've committed to this. Be strong. Be a man. Jonathan, I want to go to the last verse of of a song, uh, another song by Clint Black, uh, When I Say I Do. It's he and his wife uh, singing together. And just listen to the words because it gives us a sense of that commitment that we're talking about. I said, I do. That just nails it down, doesn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. When I said I do, I meant that I will. for till the end of all time. And, and that is really... Putting this whole thing into perspective that love and marriage is not merely an institution, it's an action of living. It's a way that we execute our lives by saying, this is what I will do, this is what I am doing, this is what I have done,
2: and this is what I am continuing to do. Philippians 2, 2 through 4, some parts of that. Do nothing for selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself.
1: Now, again, that's a a scripture that's that's given to the body of Christ. That's a, a general Christian principle. But imagine if we would apply that directly to our marriage. That's right. Regard one another as more important than yourself. And by doing so, you know what you get? You get a commitment. You get, and remember, what do women really, really love? They love unexpected surprises. Mm-hmm. What do men love? Being appreciated. Give your 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 spouse that 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 surprise of continuous uh, care and and respect and honor and, 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 and those small gifts. You will be appreciated, and you It's it's a win win situation. It so it just gives us a sense of what we need to be doing. Marriage takes work. But it is is so, so valuable. And I've been married for 32 and a half years. And I love my wife more today. And I can tell you this flat out, plainly, Unequivocally more today than I ever, ever, ever have. Life has not always been an easy, smooth road, but I can tell you that, especially through the difficult times. Sometimes when you're in the middle of a difficulty, it's hard to. See. Your eyes are blurred. Yes. But when you get past it, and you say, it, it brings you back to what what's most important. Nice. And that commitment is always comes through as the most important thing. One last quote, Jonathan. I think this is telling. Let's uh, Jared Kintz. What did he say?
2: With my last breath, I'll exhale my love for you. I hope it's a Day, so you can see what you meant to me.
1: And again, folks, look, Valentine's Day is coming up, and we urge you to take that day, pagan celebration, but take that day, yeah, take that day and apply it in the best way you know how to show what love and true commitment is in a marriage, to show your spouse that it is till death do us part no matter what the circumstances in life are because that's what God has ordained for us by making that commitment as, with God as our witness. For Jonathan Rick's Christian Questions we hope you've enjoyed being with us this morning. We have certainly enjoyed being with you and we pray and hope that your marriage will continue to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Until next week in another subject. Is marriage really needed? Oh, you bet it is. Now go work on it. Until next week. Think about it.